Imagine spending an hour with the world's greatest traders. Imagine learning from their experiences, their successes, and their failures. Imagine no more. Welcome to Top Traders Unplugged, the place where you can learn from the best hedge fund managers in the world so you can take your manager due diligence or investment career to the next level. Before we begin today's conversation, remember to keep two things in mind. All the discussion we'll have about investment performance is about the past, and past performance does not guarantee or even infer anything about future performance. Also understand that there's a significant risk of financial loss with all investment strategies, and you need to request and understand the specific risks from the investment manager about their product before you make investment decisions. Here's your host, veteran hedge fund manager, Niels Kostrup Larsen. Hey everyone and welcome to another edition of Top Traders Unplugged where today Alan Dunn and I are going to take you in a different direction to our usual conversations and instead tell you about a new and very exciting mini-series that we plan to release in the coming weeks which focuses on the one investment strategy that beat everything else in 2022 namely trend following and managed futures more broadly. But first off, Alan, how are you doing? How was uh, New Year's in Dublin? It was good, pretty pretty quiet uh, this year but um nice to have the uh the, the break over christmas and looking forward to the the, the new year 2023 so uh, you know a lot going on and promises to be another exciting year in markets i guess yeah i mean you already hear people saying that if you think 2022 was a difficult year wait for 2023 so uh yeah we'll see we'll see what happens now, since the upcoming episodes will be different from our usual episodes, and in fact, you can say it's kind of what we did back when I started Top Traders Unplugged in the first place. We thought we were going to give a little bit of context uh, and a little bit of detail as to what um, you should expect uh, from us uh, in this series. But before we go into that conversation today, Alan, I was going to ask you maybe Maybe you could give a little bit of sort of um, context in terms of what kind of year it turned out to be for CTAs and maybe even perhaps put it in a little bit of historical perspective. Yeah, obviously, uh, we've been talking about what a good year it's been. Um, uh, you know, right up to the final quarter, we had a bit of a give back for, for managed futures and trend following in Q4. But, um, you know, looking at the year-to-date numbers, the SockGen CTA index up uh, just uh, just under 20% on the year. The best year uh, on record, that index goes back to 2000. So the strongest year for, for the CTA index. And the SockGen trend index up uh, twenty-seven, over 27% on the year. And again, the strongest uh, year there. And obviously that comes in the context of a year where Global equities and global bonds were, were both down in the year. The S and P five hundred down eighteen nineteen percent or so, uh, and and the world government bond index down double digit. Uh, I think down um, twelve thirteen percent as well. So you know it was really a year where managed futures proved their worth in terms of you know having that um, bidirectionality uh, and trading across uh, lots of different asset classes and the ability to to generate. Uh, the uncorrelated returns that investors are looking for. So, you know, I think it's it was definitely uh, an exceptional year. As I said, there was a bit of a give back in the final quarter, but notwithstanding that, uh, the numbers uh, have been very strong. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, well, then let's dive into why we created this miniseries in the first place. Do you want to kick it off, Alan? 
Well, I guess, you know, partially for, 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 for the reason we've been talking about, it was a very good year in the industry last year. And it came amid a tough year, um, a tough year for traditional assets. So I think uh, fair to, to say that there has been renewed interest in the space uh, in the last number of months. And, you know, what we've you know generally observed with investors is very often the flows take a while to materialize or, you know, when you get a strong period of performance, that, that interest picks up um, and it tends to be prolonged. So in anticipation of, uh, I guess, more investor interest in, in managed futures and trend following, we thought there was an opportunity to get the, 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 the largest, the best managers in the space. Uh, and produce a condensed series which would be you know a resource for people an opportunity to educate our listeners on how the largest uh, managers in the managed futures industry uh, run their strategies and also to get their um, to get their perspective on some of the big themes that we talk about fairly regularly on on the podcast um, so I think it's really you know a very timely opportunity that we can get uh, get all of these top managers together in, in, in the space of a number of weeks and then publish uh, publish the uh, the recordings over the next uh, number of months. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be a pretty packed uh, schedule um, for you and I to try and get this uh, done. I think for me, I mean, obviously I share a lot of the same uh, things that you mentioned. Um, I think for me, it's always been about trying to give access to a much broader audience um, to some of these uh, managers and, and, and it is really because I wholeheartedly believe that all portfolios should have exposure to CTAs and, and trend following in, in particular. So I think that for me is is certainly one of the reasons why um, we're doing this. You know, during when we do the Systematic Investor Series every weekend, you know, a lot of it is kind of, uh, you know, it's an ongoing conversation about the space. Uh, we don't always uh, look at it from, you know, 30,000 feet. Um, and it's obviously biased uh, in terms of it's it's our opinions. And I think with this series, um, sure, I mean, we can voice our opinions, but it you, you, there's always something new. There's always something exciting when we get a guest on um, because a lot of these people are, you know, they're colleagues from our industry. Um, and it's, it's fun and very educational to hear how they have evolved, uh, how they see the challenges uh, in the industry that we all uh, face, uh, so to speak. Um, so I do find it quite fascinating to speak with these um, uh, people uh, every time. Um, and also the other thing I, I was thinking of was, you know, I think to the outside world, I think trend following in particular can look quite similar, uh, just different shades of gray, so to speak. Um, but then once you start listening to these managers, you do find nuances, you do find differences um, that the numbers, you know, the high correlation we all have to each other may not show. Uh, I think that's uh, incredibly insightful and educational. Um, and of course, it it turns out, you know, it, it shows up at the end in terms of the, maybe not the direction of our monthly returns, but certainly the amplitude of the returns. Uh, so I do think it is. So for me, there's always a chance to learn something new. Um, it's like getting an MBA in trend following and CTA strategies uh, when you talk to many people. Uh, essentially about the same topic, but from each individual vantage point, so to speak. So I think, so I think that those are kind of the reasons why we wanted to uh, to do this. Um, the other thing we wanted to share in this kind of little teaser episode was kind of what we hope to achieve 
by uh, by doing this series. So I'm actually quite curious to hear uh, what you're hoping for here, Alan. Well, as I say, in terms of like what uh, we hope to achieve is is that these series of conversations will be a resource for people that they will, you know, serve as a reference point that, you know, people who are interested in allocating to the space have an opportunity if they haven't met these managers directly to, to hear their story um, and, and, and get their perspective. Um, you know, I think, as you say, we're, we're certainly hoping to highlight the diversity in, in the space. You know, there's lots of uh, different ways of approaching um you know, managed futures trading, trend following, it's not all the same, even within trend following, as you say, you, you tend to get a lot of dispersion in performance. So I, I think to to highlight the diversity and, you know, the the, the, the diverse approaches that you have. Um, and then, you know, it's really, there are a number of topics, and, and we'll get into the topics uh, in, in a moment, that, um, you know, again, I think you'll get diverse uh, responses in terms of how people think about some of these big issues. Um, and, you know, myself and yourself and all of you guys, we talk about this on Top Traders Unplugged fairly regularly, but this is the opportunity to hear how the practitioners think about, um, you know, managed future strategies and, and and the various issues that, that arise as you run these types of uh, strategies. So, so I mean, it's, it's, it's all about uh, bringing those, those perspectives together in, in an accessible way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And also, I think for me, I really hope that we can touch on a lot of the different aspects uh, of each manager and, you know, and what they do really to continue to deliver above average returns. Because let's not forget, some of these firms have track records that are like 30, 40, almost 50 years. Uh, and I mean, you don't really find this level of experience in any other hedge fund strategy uh, than in the CTA space. Um, maybe maybe we should talk a little bit about the kind of managers uh, we've invited. So for the most part, the managers are among the largest CTAs, as you mentioned, Alan, in the world. And most of them are part of the SOCGEN CTA index, where, by the way, the cutoff AUM to be part of the index um, for 2023 is $1.97 billion, And that's up 60% from last year. I'm kind of curious about why it's gone up that much. But anyways, and there are 20 programs across 19 firms that are included in the index. Um, and uh, we've invited one firm that is not part of the index, but does have one of the longest track records of all of them, I think. And some of the listeners might even guess who that might be, but there we are. And so it really is the best of the best. And so my hope deep down is, of course, that more investors will learn from these conversations and ideally consider reaching out to them and find out more because, as I mentioned earlier, I truly believe that all portfolios need some kind of trend-following component as we so vividly learned in 2022. Um, so that's kind of what I'm I'm hoping to achieve. Um, now we've talked about what we hope to achieve. Maybe we should talk about what we expect from these conversations. And um, I don't know what your expectations are i have a few thoughts but uh, i'm curious about yours well i think what we'll hear is is as as we've been talking about uh, different perspectives you know not everybody is for, for one you know we're talking about the the Sox and cta constituents it's not all trend following so you have you know quant macro short-term systematic um trends of you know managers who are more pure trend followers diversified trend followers 
more multi-strat. So, you know, uh, the fact that you have that diversity that brings um, different perspectives. Um, you know, I think you've got, you've got lots of um, interesting topics. You know, we had the, the paper from, from, from kind of Cliff Astonis recently talking about, you know, what is the role of, of, of a CTA? Is it, is it absolute return plus crisis alpha? You know, there's, there's lots of different perspectives even on what, what, what managers are setting out to achieve in the first place. So certainly my expectations is we'll get a lot of uh, different perspectives. Um, and, and I think as well that there might be a perception out there that, you know, you know, trend following, it's all the same or, you know, that, that, that there isn't that the, the diversity within the space uh, and that it's something that, that is, uh, you know, the, going back a few years, there was a perspective, well, it's pretty simple. You know, anybody can do trend following, but once you get into it, you can learn all of the different ways that different managers can differentiate themselves and the different approaches to take. So I think certainly the expectation would be that we'll, we'll highlight that um, that diversity in the space and and I, I and I think the the rigor in terms of the research processes as well and what it takes in terms of you know institutional kind of um, technology uh, operating infrastructure to run these uh, types of strategies very successfully yeah and no, I mean I think we're going to have some pretty um, pretty open and quite frank conversations. Um, that's what uh, what I expect. And I think the, you know, the different managers will probably see certain things um, in a similar way. But also there will be some differences, especially in the investment process. Um, so I'm I'm very curious to um, to learn about that. Um, maybe maybe you and I will push back a little bit on some of the points and dig a little bit deeper to better understand why they believe. What they do is in a kind of better way uh, in approaching the strategy. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I also expect to learn a few new things. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, I do learn a lot from having these conversations with our peers. And it's one of the best things about the CTA and managed futures industry, really, namely that most of the people we get along quite well. And we don't really see ourselves as kind of fierce competitors, but rather as colleagues working in the same industry so and then in the end uh, i expect that as you have pointed out that you know these conversation will form an important part of an educational journey for investors but also that they could be part of a due diligence process where investors who are looking and considering investing in the space can use these conversations as references uh, in their own decision making process so that's that's what i expect maybe Alan, maybe we should talk a little bit about some of the topics that you and I have been thinking about uh, bringing up. Now, I will say, you know, it's a long list, um, and so we're not going to be able to talk about everything with everyone, um, so we'll spread it around and, and so on and so forth. But if I give you kind of the big picture bullet point, maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the thoughts we have around uh, or some of the interesting points we have around uh, each of them uh, if if we could do it like that so the first topic that we kind of wanted to um, to bring up um, is kind of investment philosophy what what are what are your thoughts around that topic yeah i mean i think i think you have different views on this um, and and it'll be interesting to get the 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 manager's perspectives on you know, say particularly from the perspective of trend following, what you know, why do markets trend in the first place? 
what is why is there a source of alpha a source of returns that can be harvested from from trend following and and, and why is it reasonable to expect that to be persistent um and you know is is the what you tend to hear with with managers who do trend following is on the one side, you have people who take kind of an academic perspective of saying, well, you know, historically you can see in the data there's serial correlation versus the the more kind of, maybe call it the old school kind of capturing outlier type of perspective. So I think there's 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 multiple uh, kind of philosophies that can lead you to running a trend following uh, portfolio. So very interested to hear that kind of from first principles from managers, you know, why is it that they that they are do, using these types of strategies and why they think they, that they can be profitable over time? And then, you know, how they think their own philosophy, I guess, may be slightly different to, to other managers and how that manifests itself in, in, in their trading. Yeah, exactly. And and kind of, I think you, you almost sort of touched on the next, next bullet point, and that is kind of the objective of the of their own strategy. What What are they trying to achieve? Um, with with the way they've designed it, is that what I hear you saying? Yeah, no, exactly. And um, you know, as as I touched on a moment ago, you know, for some people, it is is it generating absolute return, or is there a second objective of of having this crisis alpha characteristic as well, or is that just just a a feature of of the historical performance? So, um, you know, I, I I think all of that, um, but yeah, certainly, yeah. Uh, expect to have different views on, on that as we go through the, the, the series. Another topic that I we want to dig into uh, with some of these guests uh, are uh, a topic that we've discussed quite a lot on the podcast, and that is this pure trend following versus diversified trend following. Uh, you already mentioned Cliff Asnes' paper, um, but it is along those lines, right? That We, we just want to understand what where, where people are, are placed in their minds. Exactly, and it's something you know. You've talked to to the likes of Rob and Jerry, uh, Rich over the years. You know whether you know should you be adding carry to trend? Should you be adding short term, quant macro? What's the rationale? What's the impact of of combining different systems? Does it make you less of a of a pure trend follower if you do that? Um, does it impact the kind of convexity of the program if you if you go down that route or not? So lots lots to delve into on that side. Yeah, no, absolutely. Another thing that I really look forward to uh, discussing, another topic, which is something we've uh, we've discussed as well on 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 the show for the last uh, few months, uh, is you know, can these strategies be replicated? Right? I mean, that's been a big discussion, uh, and um, so we're gonna hear some, hopefully, some uh, some different um, considerations about this. Is that? Your yeah. expectation? No, for sure. And it's really a topic that's really come on the radar, obviously, in the last year. Um, but interestingly, you know, some of the managers who we'll be speaking to have run and, and probably continue to run replication strategies. So so they can not only give, a, I guess, a managed features perspective, but they can give a, a quant replication perspective on the, 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 the merits and pitfalls of running replication strategies. So that's certainly... Um, yeah, I think that's definitely highly topical at the moment. It is, and actually, it'll be fun to hear whether they like being replicated or not. Because in the Sockgen CTA index, you are being replicated by a certain individual right. that we uh, all know and, and love well, and and uh, who's going to be on the show soon again. So, uh, so it'll be interesting. Now, 
Then we're going to jump into kind of your wheelhouse, I imagine, you know, what you were doing back in the day when you interviewing and digging deep into the uh, research of, uh, of these uh, managers. How is that going to be for you? Well, I mean, I think uh, it's a big, it's an interesting question, because if you think about it, you have a lot of managers investing a lot of resources in terms of, you know, having data, um, you know, big teams, um, uh, having, you know, alternative data sources, you know, investing in infrastructure to be faster or slower in terms of execution. So there is a question there, does it all matter? Or, or you know, if you had a simple uh, trend system that you applied more, rig you know, rigorously over the long term, you know, how much value do you add uh, by having the more sophisticated system? And then there's the, 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 there's the more generic question of, you know, what does a good research process look like? How do you manage that process? Um, you know, um, how much optimization should you do? What what you know? What does it take to 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 change a program? You know, obviously managers do evolve their systems, but how do you avoid overfitting? How do you avoid you know style drift? You know, what's the right balance between you know harvesting new ideas and get and improving a program, or just you know changing the parameters in response to 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 a kind of a, a change market environment so i think um yeah very interested to hear what people have to say about this and what are the the, the, the merits and the pitfalls of that yeah i think that's going to be super fascinating uh, of course um there is another topic that of course we can't um go without mentioning and that is of course uh, something we've discussed a lot on the podcast as well and that is you know, how many markets uh, should you uh, trade? So I don't think there's much you can add to to that topic, so to, so to speak, but it will be something we, we may bring up with some people and the pros and the cons and all of that. But then we're also going to dive into um, something that is, you know, much more, um, or no, I wouldn't say much more, but something that's really, really important. And that's the risk management side of things and also how you manage uh, drawdowns. Um, what, what, are, what, are your, what are you hoping for in this area? Yeah, well, I think obviously, um, you know, what what you see in managed futures is periodic periods of tough performance. And, you know, what that often motivates managers to do is to think about, well, is there a way to produce a smoother return profile for, for managed futures by combining different systems? Um, but then are you giving up some of the favorable characteristics, say, of trend following by doing that? And then, you know, I suppose in relation to drawdowns as well, you know, can they be anticipated in any sense or are they just purely random? Obviously, what you tend to see, well, you don't, at least there might be a perception that historically when we've had flows into the space, such as after 2008, then we saw kind of drawdowns uh, following that. So are, are they related or, or, or are the drawdowns just purely random and something that you have to live with? Yeah, well, let's hope they're not related. <laughs> Anyways, um, then there's a, another couple of topics that are actually quite important, I think, that are very um, uh, on, on many people's minds, um, especially as, as, as you just mentioned, um, if there is a kind of a, a big uh, inflow into these strategies um, following a, a really strong uh, and amazing uh, period in 2022. And that's the capacity of strategies, but also the, what goes with that is kind of the liquidity of the markets that we we, we trade. So uh, what are some of the things that you look forward to in, in, in this area? 
yeah, I mean, we're getting into very much the tactical operational um, uh, parts of, of running trend following here, you know, in terms of how do you know when you're bumping up against capacity constraints? Everybody asks managers, you know, what's your capacity? But but how do they come up with those numbers? And how would you know that capacity is becoming an issue? And managers often think about capacity in terms of their own program. But if lots of trend followers are, are raising assets at the same time, or lots of managed features are gathering assets, how does that impact into capacity for, for, for the overall industry. Obviously, liquidity is is always out there as a topic. And, you know, we've heard, you know, in the last number of months about concerns about liquidity, say, in the treasury market, etc. But so curious to hear if that is, is that if it's kind of a risk that people are thinking about, or if they think that something, you know, obviously, the standard response to CTAs are trading deep liquid markets. So it tends not to be an issue. But but yeah, let, let's hear what, what the managers have to say. You mean deep liquid market like the guild? Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay. So one topic that um, we may address, and maybe not with with everyone, but you know, ESG is is it's it's a big. I wouldn't say it's a big topic, but it's something that people talk a, a lot about. Uh, generally speaking, in in the broader investment community, maybe not so much in our uh, world. However. I would be. I'm. I'm curious to see what what people think about ESG when it comes to our kind of strategies. Um, how relevant is it, and um, and and so on and so forth. But then another topic that definitely is in your wheelhouse uh, for sure, and that is the role of trend following or CTAs. Let's broaden it out a little bit in a multi asset portfolio. Um, where are you gonna go with that? Yeah, I mean, this is something we, we obviously talk about on the allocator series a lot. Um, but, you know, when you speak to allocators, one of the questions you often get is, where is the fit in the portfolio? Is it is re- is it return generating or is it just a portfolio diversifier or is it even portfolio protection? You know, in the extreme, people might refer to it as, as a hedge, which we know it's not, or insurance. And we wouldn't claim it's that, but it is. Is it is it more than just a diversifier, and is it a return generator? You know, maybe going back a few years, there was concerns over that side. Then you know, what's the, what's the right level to allocate? You know, that's um, that's always the topic that comes up when you, when you speak to um, both institutional and and private wealth investors. Um, and then you know, can you time the allocation? So I think in terms of where it fits alongside other strategies and other assets. They're the main questions that, that that tend to come up. So, very curious to hear what the practitioners themselves have to say on that. Yeah. Then there's a couple of nerdy points we also wanted to bring up. I, I say nerdy in a, in a in in a with a smile, and that's what people think about expected returns. Whether they think what we do is alpha or is there beta and stuff like that. It's a little bit of the sort of um, yeah nerdy stuff um, that we may want to dig into and find out what people think? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and I think this relates to the role in a portfolio. So obviously, depending on your view on the return, the expected returns and the return profile would inform how you position an allocation to manage features in a portfolio. Um, But there is a general question then around, and it's probably related to the replication a little bit, you know, it's like, is there a trend beta? You know, going back a number of years, that was something that was very much, to, you know, to the fore. But obviously, what we've been saying is that there's lots of ways of approaching trend following. So maybe it's hard to define a beta. But if there is a beta, then is there an alpha and a beta, or is it an all alpha? Or, or how do people think about that? Yeah, 
definitely. Then there's a little bit of a um, kind of a, a funny topic um, people might think when it comes to um, uh, diving into systematic strategies. And that's, that is cash management because, of course, we don't live in a zero interest rate world anymore. But these strategies tend to hold lots of cash um, because of the very nature they're structured using futures. So I am personally quite curious to see how managers think about what to do with the cash uh, nowadays. So that's just sort of uh, a, a um, topic that we wanted to uh, uh, dig into uh, as well. Uh, some firms uh, are more prone to running big funds. Some firms are more prone to running managed accounts where it's less of an issue. Um, so it'll be interesting to find out. Um, then we have a couple of general questions, which I don't think I'm going to reveal quite what they will be. We want to keep that uh, suspense a little bit, but there's going to be some some general questions. And then I think we're going to finish off the, the number of topics to choose from is kind of with a look into the new year of 2023, um and 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 hear some of the the expectations from these great firms um and and what they're expecting f- based on the conversations maybe they're having with clients potential clients um other financial uh intermediaries they deal with um what's on their radar etc cetera, etc cetera. um i think that's is that fair yeah no for sure i mean yeah, absolutely i think uh you know, obviously, as we've been saying, we've, it's been such a strong year and there is growing interest in the space. So, so it's certainly interesting to hear that, that how, you know, how managers are responding um, and, and, and what the, kind of the, the trends they're seeing from that perspective. Okay, cool. I mean, so as everyone can hear listening to us today, Alan, there are there's going to be a lot to talk about. And of course, we won't be able to cover, as I mentioned, everything with every guest. Um, so basically it just means that if people want to, um, get the most out of it, they simply have to listen to all the conversations, which is, uh, hopefully a good thing. Um, and when it comes to listening to these conversations, um, I don't, I, I'm thinking not wanting to disrupt our traditional pattern of the, uh, weekend edition of the Systematic Investor Series and our midweek, um, episode, because we have some great conversations coming up in that so I'm thinking at the moment that this kind of mini-series on the CTA's Managed Futures world uh, will come out Mondays and Fridays. Maybe we'll try and get two episodes out per week so that we get it all done in the first couple of months of the year, um, travel schedules permitting, um, and so that people can sort of confidently um, move into 2023 knowing as much as they can um, from the best minds in this space. Now, before we wrap up uh, our little chat here today, Alan, um, I'm curious what you might be most excited or interested in finding out from these conversations. What, what, what are you looking most for? I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint one thing. I think what's interesting is that we're going to get all the responses together. We're, we're running all of these conversations in a very condensed period, so within a month or two, and it'll be, you know, time-labeled uh, 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 Q1 2023. So it'll be great to be able to look back in, in a couple of years and say, well, this was the perspective on these issues at this point in time. 
Um, but I, I think it's it's the, it's the learning opportunity to get to speak to, you know, the the CIOs of all of these top firms and and to get their perspectives um, on 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 all of these topics. So I, I think that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah, I think for me, maybe it's a little bit selfish, but I actually think it's trying to figure out and find out uh, how these managers are different. Um, I think there's going to be lots of things that they agree on um, and where they look similar, as I mentioned. And um, But, you know, when I'm out, every single meeting I have with a client or potential client, people are always going to ask me, you know, how is Done Capital different from all the other trend followers, right? That's what people want to know. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, see if we can learn um, how, how these uh, great colleagues of ours um, see that. I'm sure they must be getting the same uh, questions. I think that's probably... Um, my number one, and also generally speaking, I would say I am looking forward to catching up with a lot of our friends uh, from the industry that many of them, both you and I, have known for for quite a lot of years. Uh, so, so I can't really wait to get started. I think we have our first recording already tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, so that's going to be exciting. Um, you know. I don't know, uh, before we completely wrap up today, um, whether uh, people coming into this maybe for the first time listening to the podcast or, or not, who may not know exactly why they should even consider invest in managed futures trend following. But I mean, I think some of the things we've seen work out really well and and, and you feel free to add to, to, to this little list. Um, but you know, the, the flexibility that CTAs have in terms of long and short exposure, and, and not staying within one little sandbox, but having the financial markets as well as the commodity markets, I think that makes them incredibly well positioned for this environment that we've been talking about for the last, you know, more than a year, uh, because we were expecting a lot more volatility and the end of this quote-unquote carry regime. So I think that's, you know, one reason why people should consider it. And also, generally speaking, when now that we have an, an inflation coming back, um, and where central banks will have less control over how investors feel and and react to uh, to the markets, um, it's going to be um, you know you you need some of these different types of strategies to to um, to uh, add to your portfolio returns. And trend following has generally shown through history, at least that they've done well through these inflationary periods. And you know we we've seen these bull markets in stocks and bonds for so long. Uh, and now we may be back into this period where, where the uh, the business cycle is a little bit different. Where you know, like in two thousand and two, two thousand and eight, two thousand twenty two, where stocks and bonds actually are not going up. Um, and so, what do you do uh, in, during those periods? I think TTAs can help out uh, on that. And then, of course, something that you and I have mentioned many times on on the podcast, and that is, and the whole foundation really of doing systematic. Uh, investing, not you know, not not trend following ex- specifically, but there is this beauty of removing emotion and biases from your, the investment process. I think this is underrated. I don't think people really think of that as a you know huge asset when they think about the trend following strategy per se. But I think when we go through uncertain times, I think it's actually a very important part of the diversification process, namely that you can diversify across different types of investment processes. And I think trend following uh, definitely has uh, an edge in in that. And then, of course, the final part would be 
just the fact that we are adaptive. I mean, the the world is changing. Um, what we saw between 2000 and 2020, that kind of environment may not be what we're going to see the next 10 years or the next 20 years for all I know. And so you need something that can adapt to uh, this new environment. Any final thoughts from your side, Alan, before we um, wrap up for today? Yeah, no, I, d- I don't disagree with anything you say. Um, you know, I think the case for, for managed futures and trend following and all these strategies is well known. So it's just a good opportunity to to make that again and get that perspective from from some of the biggest and best names in the industry. Yeah, no, absolutely. Excellent. Uh, well put. So on that note, we're going to wrap up uh, our conversation today uh, where we've taken a little bit of a peek into the upcoming CTA-focused series, which uh, we can't wait to share with you, the listener. From Alan and me, thanks so much for listening. We look forward to being back with you on the first episode of this series and uh, take a deep dive into the CTA industry. In the meantime... Go and check out the show notes for the series and all the other resources that you can find on the TTU website. And until you hear from us again, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Thanks for listening to Top Traders Unplugged. If you feel you learned something of value from today's episode, the best way to stay updated is to go on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show so that you'll be sure to get all the new episodes as they're released. We have some amazing guests lined up for you. And to ensure our show continues to grow, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. It only takes a minute and it's the best way to show us you love the podcast. We'll see you next time on Top Traders Unplugged.